The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1992 versus 1974. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hit. Welcome back to Action Film Face-Off, the show where two random years are selected. My brother brings an action film from one of the random years. I bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion is crowned by the end of the episode. I'm Jared Albrecht, the Death Pro. My co-host is my brother Jason, the Weasel Skull. We are both military combat vets who take our action seriously, but not too seriously. So let's have some fun. On this one, we had sort of a half-blind fire. One of the movies, Passenger 57, we've all seen it. The other one, The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, I don't think any of us have seen that nope so that's what we've got going on on this episode half blind fire oh okay. questions jared oh go ahead question number one who's our sniper and question number two why isn't it kathy she mm. wants to know <laughs> <laughs> our sniper will be revealed momentarily and uh kathy knows what her regular schedule is she's on every third episode <laughs> i'll text her right now <laughs> Yes, indeed. We're going to score each of today's films on a scale of one to ten in five categories. Those categories are story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. And it's still not in that order. We're just keeping you confused, keeping you on your toes. But at the end, we will always have the deduction round where up to ten points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. That is all correct. Good job, Jason. And now it's time to introduce this episode's sniper. We are very excited here at Action Film Faceoff to announce that for the first time we have a celebrity sniper. I talked to Laurel and she assured me that she booked Wesley Snipes to be on this episode. So we're going to welcome Wesley Snipes to the studio. Just as a reminder, just as a reminder, the sniper has one point to give in each category, so the sniper can sway the scoring by a total of five points. So let's, I'm so excited to introduce our official sniper. Welcome, Wesley Snipes. I'm starting to think Laurel. That, are you? No, I wasn't. It was a good comeback. <laughs> I'm starting to think Laurel might have messed this up. I've seen Wesley Snipes this is not Wesley Snipes. We're being joined by one of our fellow Longbox Crusade members, host of Transformers Chronicles and come out to play. It is Delvin the Dark Web Williams. Welcome to the show, Delvin. Thank you. And and those people over there, those, those are people whose VCRs are stuck on one, two, three. <laughs> you got all the Arsenio jokes tonight, don't you? <laughs> I think I'm tapped out, but. <laughs> okay. I had two. Yeah, I had two of them. And now he's done. <laughs> All right, welcome, Delvin. We'll try to make a note here. Talk to Laurel. Delvin is not. I, I wrote Delvin, the not equal sign, Wesley Snipes. There we go. <laughs> okay, that, that's, that memo is done. <laughs> now, Delvin, you've been on the show before, right? So you've got to answer the question of your three favorite action movies, I do believe. 
That is correct. Yes. All right. So we don't have to do all that formalities. We can get right to it. But before our two films enter the Video Dome Arena, where Jason has installed the spikes, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting on show content, and so much more. These are the folks reaping those benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Alec Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Captain Entropy. Dave Battlewagon Collins. Battlewagon. Ezra Maurice Felpin Gallo. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Keane, the Weasel's Gull. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Kathy Bright. The second best sniper. Mark Ross. Monstrous Mark Hatherly. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. PD or Pimp Daddy <laughs> Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we miss you on the list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we'll add you soon. But no worries. Let us know we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We will get it straightened out. And if you're asking yourself, how do I get in on this whole Crusaders Club member thing? It's pretty simple. Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as a dollar a month, you get access to the Crusaders Club Come check it out. We appreciate it. We're creeping up towards, I think, 40 members now. We'd love for you to join. We need the money to uh, buy snacks. Some of us get hair treatments with the money. We're trying to purchase an LBC yacht. These are all things that are... I'm kidding. We use this for technological upgrades and to pay our hosting fees for the recording software and all that stuff. So we're able to do this because y'all support us. So thank you, Crusaders Club members. And for those of you that think, you know what? I kind of like these shows. Maybe I'll throw some coin in the tin. Patreon.com slash Crusade. Jason. That's too much talky-talky, not enough rocky-rocky. Let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1992, and I selected Passenger 57. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? Well, I got 1974. I was walking around three years old, and I put into our Video Dome Arena the taking of Pelham 123. I like to imagine Jason in like a plaid leisure suit walking around <laughs> three years old. <laughs> We've got a fine matchup for this one, folks. Now, it's important to point out this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year. I might very well like his film selection better than mine, or vice versa. It's all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Let's do a quick around the room on where we saw it. Passenger 57. Of course I own that. I'm an American, damn it. Yes, I have Passenger 57. So I watched that right off of my Plex server. Now, taking a poem, one, two, three, the original version. I had to go find on YouTube. It was free with ads. So any listeners out there want to check it out? Free with ads on YouTube. As of this recording, Jason, how did you see these two films? 
Well, I had to mix uh, a little business with a family trip in here recently, so I quickly downloaded onto my iPhone off of the Apple iStore both Passenger 57 and the taking of Pelham 123 and watched them at 30,000 feet en route from Chicago back home to Seattle. It makes for an interesting Passenger 57 viewing experience. It did, yes. <laughs> it was very interesting. I, as we discussed, I've learned, there's no way you're going to fight like Wesley Snipes on an airplane like that. There's <laughs> no room. There's no room. There's more room in the movies than there is in real life. <laughs> All right, let's check in with Delvin the Dark Web. Delvin, how did you see these two films? I saw Passenger 57 via Amazon Prime for the low, low price of $2.99 if you wanted to rent it. And I took wise Jared's sage advice and I used the YouTubes to watch Taking of Pelham 123. Quality movies to watch on YouTube for free, I might add. Not too shabby. You're right about that. So we got a bit of a theme going tonight with public conveyances being taken over by bad people. That is exciting. Now, usual spoiler warning. We're going to spoil the heck out of these films during our discussion. So this is your spoiler break. If you want to watch these before we ruin it, we're going to play our musical break and we will see you on the other side. And that's when the spoilers are coming. So here comes the music. All right, guys, you've been warned. Here we go. Let me jump in with some quick info on 1992's Passenger 57. Ramsey wants me to hire the best person available to head up the counterterrorism unit. That person happens to be you. I don't want that responsibility. Get off the sidelines. You got to get back into this game. They finally captured the world's most dangerous hijacker. Now they're bringing him back for trial on a plane. Notify my people. They'll know what to do. That was their first mistake. Once again, Charles Rain is in control. And how do you like your sirloin, sir? Bloody. But there's just one thing he didn't count on. 56, 57. Passenger 57. I watch your show all the time. My show? Never miss it. Woo, woo, woo. Who's in charge? I am. Once again, who's in charge? You are. Wesley Snipes. No, 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 this is not happening. You, back to your seat. His name's John Carter. He's airline security. Tell me you're good at this. I'm the best. Plan not working out the way you want it? Don't flatter yourself, Carter. One way or the other, we're going down. No, just chill out. I'm one of the good guys. Didn't your father ever teach you never send a boy to do a man's job? Wesley Snipes. You need help? No. He's all mine. Passenger 57. You ever play roulette? On occasion. Let me give you a word of advice. Always bet on black. All right, your cast and crew is as follows. It stars Wesley Snipes, Bruce Payne, Tom Sizemore, and I believe this was a breakthrough performance for Elizabeth Hurley. It was directed by Brad Bird. Synopsis goes a little something like this. Charles Rain, he's a bad dude and a terrorist. John Cutter, he's also a bad dude and a security specialist. When the two paths cross on an airplane jailbreak attempt, the sparks fly. That's pretty much all you need for a synopsis on that film. And here comes your trivia. 
Trivia item number one. Partially filmed in Central Florida, Wesley Snipes spoke at his former Orlando High School, Jones High, and offered paying roles as extras to students with high GPAs. The students that met the GPA requirement were placed on a list and randomly selected from that list, and they can be seen portraying attendees at the carnival scene as John Cutter searches the crowd in pursuit of terrorists. I like that, man. Wesley Snipes rewarding the kids for getting good grades. Item number two. Interestingly enough, I found this, I always find this fascinating. This was originally a vehicle created for Sylvester Stallone. Passenger 57 was a film created to star Stallone. When he turned it down, however, just for fun, the script writer renamed one of the major characters played by Tom Sizemore, Sly. So that's why his character is known as Sly. A little wink and a nod. Sly Vecchio. Sly Vecchio, that's right. <laughs> and finally, you guys are going to like this. Wesley Snipes' character is mistaken for Arsenio Hall. In an episode of Martial Law in 1998, Arsenio Hall's character is mistaken for Wesley Snipes. And the woman who does so says, I loved you in Passenger 57. So it all came full circle. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. That's it. Jason, what you got? All right, here we go. I will give you folks the rundown on 1974's The Taking of Pelham 123. 1.23 p.m. A crowded subway train starts its run from Pelham Station in the Bronx. 1.45 p.m. Four desperate, heavily armed men seize control of the train. Open the door or I'll blow your head off. Taking 17 people as hostages. Your attention, please. Now then, you'll all remain seated. Anybody who tries to rise is going to get shot. <laughs> I do hope I have made myself understood. 2.13 p.m. The city of New York is given one hour to come up with a million-dollar ransom. You're out of your skull. No units stand by on a double. What's up, Z? A train's been hijacked. Millions have read it. Now you can live it. The taking of Pelham. One, two, three. There is no way you can get away with this. You are underground in a tunnel. At precisely 3.13, we are going to begin executing the hostages. Nothing will happen as long as you obey my orders. New York City is held powerless in the grip of four ruthless men. From the mayor's office. Don't tell me I don't want to know. To police headquarters. I've got about 50 men inside the tunnel, all wearing vests and armed with machine and submachine guns. We could fight the third world war down there. To the nerve center of the world's busiest subway system. My only priority is saving the lives of these passengers. Maybe an hour isn't enough time. An hour is plenty of time. We agree to pay the ransom. Repeat, we agreed to pay you the money. Now turn your clock off. The money has to be counted, stacked, tied, transported uptown. It just isn't physically possible. You'd be surprised what's physically possible. Pelham 123's in motion. There's no re-driving up How long does it take to get all that money together anyway? Just not gonna make it. We'll never make it. The passengers are dead ducks. What the hell they expect for that lousy 35 cents to live forever? Walter Matthau, Robert Shaw. The most spectacular hijack in history. The taking of Pelham, one, two, three. The cast and crew included Walter Matthau, Robert Shaw, and George's dad. From Seinfeld. 
It was directed by Joseph Sargent. The synopsis goes a little something like this. A group of criminals hijack a New York City commuter train and hold the city at ransom. Filled with tension, this film pits Robert Shaw as the coldly efficient criminal mastermind against Walter Matthau as a deadpan and dry-humored transit cop. The trivia nuggets are as follows. This film was financially successful in New York City, Toronto, London, and Paris. Basically, all the cities with subways. It flopped everywhere else. So what you're saying is everywhere else it went down the tubes? Yeah. (laughs) 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 Trivia nugget number two. Robert Shaw enjoyed playing ping pong during his downtime and reportedly soundly whooped his castmates. I just imagine like Robert Shaw playing ping pong. Is the most badass ping pong you've ever seen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't it's know what totally that looks like. <laughs> like a cigarette hanging out of your mouth, you know? <laughs> He's barely moving, just, <laughs> just like yeah, low energy, but yet hitting everything back. <laughs> the first shot won't beat you. No, the second. <laughs> no, the, no, the third. <laughs> nice crossover for Russia with Love. That's excellent. Well, speaking of crossovers and from Russia with Love, this had a bond connection in two places. Both Robert Shaw and Julius Harris played 007 villains. Shaw was in From Russia with Love, and Harris was in Live and Let Die as Teehee. So, you know, all the Bond fans that follow us, they know that. Obvious, right? Well, maybe not so obvious, but if you think about it, both the villains were killed by Bond while on a train. Hmm. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Fight. It's a street fight. All right, all right, get your dukes up. It is time to fight. First of all, let's talk about match game, the game within the game. There are two films, five categories, which means 10 possible matches for Jason and I. I have not seen his scores. He has not seen mine. Place your bets, folks. How many times are we going to match? And by folks, I mean Rick. Place your bets, Rick. (laughs) All right. Our score barometer is as follows. If it's a five, that means it's okay. It's average. It does fine for like a good TV movie. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Pretty good. Four, three, two, one. Rut row. And with that, let's get to round one. Hasta la vista, baby. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is your story? We will start with Passenger 57, 1992, and Delvin, the dark web, Wesley Snipes Williams, a.k.a. Pimp Destro. <laughs> the story, it was original enough. You had the hijinks on a plane, and even though I thought it was going to be more in the air than it was... It was still a plain adventure, you know, mixed with a little bit of carnival. So it was it was kind of your typical bad guy is chased by the good guy uh, with the twist of the airplane and the carnival. Not really much more to say than that. I, I, a little bit of originality, but I wouldn't go over the top with it and say it was a ton. What do you think, Jason? I agree with you. It's really hard to find a whole lot of daylight between movies like this and I don't know, Air Force One and Con Air and myriad other action films that are set on an airplane. I think probably what kind of carried it the most for me were the characters. Obviously, Wesley Snipes is very charismatic. Bruce Payne was insane. He was, Bruce uh, Payne very, was not insane. He was insane. He was Bruce insane. Bruce Payne <laughs> was not insane. 
Bruce Payne, Payne is, is not, not insane. insane. Well, I think he was very charismatic. Even his crew were memorable to me. I can still think back and think about the French guy, Forget. You can't forget Forget. <laughs> <laughs> and the most badass dude of all, the bald dude. We'll get to we'll get to it in the back. Right. So but anyway, he had good characters. That I thought that the local cops were kind of funny and and a bumbling, but kind of cool sort of way in the ground scene. And I thought the chemistry between he and the stewardess was pretty well done. Yeah, as far as the story goes, it was really a vehicle that was rode around action sequences and relied heavily on the chemistry and the acting abilities of Wesley Snipes and the antagonists. And I'm just going to wholeheartedly agree with both of you. I'd forgotten, you know, I'd seen this before. I'd forgotten the whole land, go to the carnival, get back on the plane, take off part. I thought it all took place on the plane, forgot that part. Again, yeah, nothing terribly original, but, you know, well executed, which will help it in its scoring. Let's move back in time to 1974, the taking of Pelham 123. Delvin's thoughts on the story there. Now, given the two, and I'm kind of tilting where my sniper bullet's going to go, I think it was a more original story. You're hijacking a subway in the most populous city in the United States. And so that's like already unconventional and had my last appearance on Action Film Face-Off not been bullet train, I would have been even more captivated (laughs) (laughs) by that fact. But it still was an original story because all of a sudden, you got this guy being trained on how to run a subway or run his subway train through the system and everything. And then all of a sudden, He's been held at gunpoint. It's like, what the what? What is going on? Why? What is how is this happening? And then next thing you know, it just descends into chaos. So that idea was a little bit better. Now, I could question a little bit of the storytelling setup. I could tell you how I think Pella 123 would have been an outstanding movie, especially nowadays. Put it this way. If this were a comic book and Brian Michael Bendis were writing it, then you absolutely would have gotten that origin story of how that crew came together. And then you would have gotten the train heist. And in this case, I actually think it really would have helped. But overall, the story was still very good and it was original and it had me from minute one. Yeah, it's engaging. That helps it a lot. Jason, your thoughts? I agree with everything Delvin said. I think the thing that was most captivating for me were just the moments in each of the pieces of the film. So you had the train car itself and the tension amongst the criminals. You could feel the tension there. You could feel the tension of the folks on the train. It was definitely a 70s film because even in the middle of that hostage situation, you had that mom whooping the ass of those two kids. (laughs) You also had the control room where Walter Matthau spends most of his time there. You can feel the tension in there and you just get a real respect for him because he's so unflappable. He only really loses his cool one time. And that guy had been pushing and pushing and pushing and deserved it. So it's just like wherever you are in the film, you can really feel it. You can almost smell it. You smell the pee in that train, you know, the tension, the sweat in that room. That scene where the two police officers have to drive that money and they're just amazed. They're like, I've never seen a million dollars before. I thought it'd be bigger, you know, and the discussion that they're having, it's just so realistic. The scene in the mayor's 
mansion where you've got the mayor and then all the people that are actually really, um, you know, doing the thinking and the, well, the thinking, let's just put it that way. I mean, so it's just every scene, you feel like you're a part of it. And to me, that was just really masterful writing and direction. And I'll stop there. I think I've gone on long enough. All right. The uh, fun fact I'm going to add to that is I was watching that movie and I was looking at that mayor. I was like, I've seen him somewhere before. It was driving me nuts. Apparently, he stayed in the political game because he was the mayor of Gotham City in 1989's Batman. <laughs> oh, he had a long mm-hmm. tenure, didn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Boom all you want. He's still in power. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's double back and score these things. Jason, scale of 1 to 10, the story of Passenger 57 survey says... I gave it a six. There wasn't anything truly original about the script. I mean, it was entertaining. Not anything remarkable, but solid. So six for me. You know what? Match game number one. I also gave it a six. Thought it was just that, you know, we said five is a good made for TV movie. I thought it was one step beyond a good made for TV movie. Uh, Again, well executed. I think that's what saved it from being a five. Let's dial back the dial and go to 1974 and taking a pill of one, two, three, scale one to ten. Jason. I thought this was an excellent story for all the reasons that I uh, stated. And Delvin brought up some excellent points as well. I landed on an eight. Match game number two. I also have an eight. We're off to a strong match game start. All we got to do is check in with Delvin the Dark Web Williams and ask him where he's going to spot that sniper's bullet. Sniper bullet is going to Pelham. One, two, three. Ooh, and for a film that doesn't have a ton of action, it's off to a good start on action film face-off. That's the end of round one. Put the knife away and shut your mouth. I'm going to go into round two, the hero. How cool is the hero and the supporting cast? Delvin, why don't you kick it off and tell me your thoughts on Wesley Snipes and Passenger 57? This might surprise you a little bit. I wasn't super impressed with Wesley. You know how in 90s movies especially, they have to sell you that the hero is cool. And yes. so everything that he does <laughs> is super cool. And, and he went into this business meeting. He didn't want to take the business meeting, but this was a business meeting that his friend set up for him. And he shows up in a business meeting with dark glasses. And then me, I'm like, oh, <laughs> like, come on, dude. This is for a job you want. And you're showing up in glasses like that. You ain't getting that job, man. But <laughs> you got your Wesley Snipes beats. And it's not like he was blade too over the top. He wasn't feeling himself that much. But <laughs> I appreciated the moments where he was a man of action. But I guess what I wanted to see is... They kept backing him up like Sly was like, oh, he's the absolute best. And at one point, Cutter is even like, I'm the best. Whatever. Did he really do anything that showed that he was the best? Let's say pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Right. right. Like, I mean, because if he were the best, he would have at least taken the supervillain who didn't show any fighting prowess up until that point. And he almost got choked out by that dude. Like, he was he was about half a second away from taking an L 50,000 feet above the air. And that's all like, oh, I don't know, man. It would have been one thing if the villain had like super fighting prowess and was something else other than crazy. So I'll just say I wasn't the craziest about how Wesley Snipes was portrayed as opposed to how Wesley Snipes acted in the movie. 
No, that's fair enough. I think it's hard to claim you're the best when day one on the job and your job is to protect the airline and the airline gets hijacked with you on it. That's <laughs> it's kind of hard to walk away from that one claiming you're the best. But that's not my turn. It's Jared's turn. Jared, what do you think? I largely agree with Delvin, actually. I gave him a dirty look when he started besmirching the name of Wesley Snipes, but he's right. Like Wesley Snipes is good in this, but it's not his best vehicle. And I think Wesley is actually better when he's over the top. And I'm talking about Blade, Demolition Man. Like when he can uncork and be full Wesley, it's it's fun to watch. So he was a little dialed down in this one. He still had his Wesley moments. Absolutely love the fact that they had to remind us how sexy he was by the uh, TSA agent who was totally into him, giving him that rub down <laughs> at the checkpoint. I was like, I have never had that experience with him again. I don't look like Wesley, so I, I, I may be missing out. <laughs> yeah, I was I like, try- yeah, I'm going to give you the security dry humping. Uh, uh, <laughs> like, wait, wait a minute, what? <laughs> you a bad TSA agent. I can't even get him to laugh at my jokes. I make funny jokes there, and they're like, sir, 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 put your mask on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I agree with Delvin. I think it's good Wesley Snipes, just not great Wesley Snipes. But since we're talking about heroes, that includes the ensemble characters. I do like the the Louisiana sheriff guy who started out kind of a jerk, but they developed his character and like he and Wesley kind of become friends that give each other crap at the end. I liked that. That was like a a nice little sub story arc that, you know, they took a little time to develop that friendship, quote unquote. And I thought that was fun. Yeah, let's just say he started poorly. He started out as Sheriff <laughs> J.W. Pepper. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> but he became I, a pretty I'm, good I'm understating it on purpose, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He started poorly, but he, he rebounded somewhat. He, yes, he did. He picked, a, picked up a rebound there. What did you think of uh, Walter Matthau as Garber and crew? <sighs> it's so interesting, right? And maybe it was because you know, I'm going into watching an action film, right? And the first thing that happens is, you know, it's like the title of the movie, The Taking of Pelham 123, starring Walter Matthau. <laughs> well, I had a raised my mouth too. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, you're not getting off to the greatest start as far as the action movie goes. I, I, like, I, don't, I don't even think Walter Matthau at any point even broke out of anything more than a light trot in the movie. (laughs) However, he was a thinking man. And I was impressed by his thinking. Like one of the things that he said right away, and I was wondering, were they going to pick back up on it? And they sure enough did was like, okay, look, there's a train heist going on. Check out former disgruntled employees. Somebody has to have some actual knowledge of a train here. That was a great idea. And sure enough, it bore fruit literally right at the end. I appreciated his cool and level-headedness throughout. He had very good thoughts. Like they were speeding their way in the wrong direction, which was what the criminals wanted. And he started reasoning. It's like, wait a minute, they stopped here. No, wait, we got to double back. He was at all times trying to think one step ahead of some pretty clever villains. That plus, uh, let's see, there are some other crews like, you know, uh, Costanza, (laughs) Costanza's dad, uh, Jerry Stiller, the legend. He did very good, I thought. Like, uh, he was a very good back and forth with Walter Matthau as well. And everybody was on board, for the most part, to try and solve what was a very unique case. 
I was interested in how they were thinking. The only strike that I would give them, and this isn't, I won't even bring it up in deduction round, just thought it was funny is you have a train heist where they're like, we're bad guys with guns. We will shoot people. Bang. And they're like, yeah, sure you will, you jag. Like, what? <laughs> whoa, wait. <laughs> Maybe not insult the gunman. Maybe that's a thing you shouldn't do. But sure enough, like every one of them kind of took their turns doing it. That's the only thing I would detract. But other than that, man, they were on it as far as their deductive skills and staying one step ahead of the bad guys. I like that. Yeah, I agree with what you said right out of the gate. I don't know how many action film face-off podcasts we're going to do that feature Walter Matthau. So this <laughs> could be a minute before we get Griffey old men versus Griffey or old men oh, on yeah, action film face-off. <laughs> But anyway, Jared, what are your thoughts? I largely agree with Delvin. I, you know, when I first looked it up, when you said, hey, you know, let's try taking a pill in one, two, three. And I knew it had been remade with Denzel Washington. I hadn't seen that either. Come to find out there was another remake in the 90s. This is the original of the three Pete movie. And so when I looked it up, it said starring Robert Shaw. I was like, oh, yeah, versus Walter Matthau, question mark. Like, what? <laughs> but again, it's not the world's greatest choice for action film face-off. Again, it was a blind fire, folks. We just picked it because basically Google recommended it as a 1974 action movie. But it still hangs in there because of the performances. And, and Matthew's performance is so, he's so likable, so watchable. You guys know I teach leadership for a living half for 20 years. Of course, I'm watching it through the leadership lens, and he's so good. He's very unflappable. He, like you said, JC, only loses cool one time when that guy had it coming. I think he spoke the only language that guy would understand at that point. But yeah, he's just so engaging, which is really kind of cool on action film face off to see somebody who's not really actiony, but can still command your attention. So he's going to get a surprisingly good score for me on action film face off. Well, on that note, I guess we better uh, wrap it up and score them then. All right, let's go back to Passenger 57, and uh, you're not as enamored with old Wesley on this one, you seem like, but you know, what score did you wind up giving him? Now, I still love him to death, so Wesley, he's kind of like, you know, Roger Moore, <laughs> which we always say is a 7, but I still think I'd give it a 10, which makes no sense. But anyway, I'm giving him a 7. This is a Wesley 7 for me. I, you get the blade, you're pressing a 10. This is a solid Wesley, not a great Wesley, 7. You know, it's funny you say that because as I was sitting here trying to figure out where to score him, I was thinking along those same lines. And I said, Roger Moore, view to a kill. Seven <laughs> to seven. So I landed on seven as well. So very good. Match game number three. We're, we're three for three on the matches. Are we going to keep it going? I think we may be not here, but let's see. The hero, Walter Matthau, taking a Pelham one, two, three. What'd you give him? Breaks yourself for this, folks, because... Walter Matthau on my score sheet just tied Wesley Snipes. I gave him a seven. Again, he can't compete with the physicality of Wesley, the sexuality of Wesley. He can't compete on any of those, but he was so compelling and demanded your attention and carried that movie. Him and Robert Shaw carried that movie. And I think we all agree it'll show up in the spectacle round. You don't take your eyes off it. It grabs you. So I had to give him a seven. Brace yourself, folks. I gave him a full nine. I love Matthew in this movie. It's like you said, I couldn't take my eyes off of him. I went from what to what <laughs> in the span of that film. So we'll get mean, the Matthew state estate on the line. 
<laughs> they need to know they just got a nine on X. He's not good. When's the next time I can handle Walter? <laughs> Come That's on. fair. That's fair. Rest in peace. You know, just I had to give him a nine for this one. I thought that, you know, every scene he's in, he grabs it, he owns it. I just loved it. So, you know, I'm not even going to fight you on that because, like, his performance is so, it's a nine level performance. It's an odd pick for action film face off, but I'm not going to fight you on that. I think that's, yeah, it's not, it's not like I don't even remember what we gave Keanu Reeves for, but it was up there. It was like an eight or a nine when we gave him the John Wick score. You know, we gave that because of the physicality and the action and everything. Not so much the actual acting gravitas. This is the opposite of that. There's not a lot of action, but that gravitas is there. And he's driving that story the whole way. And I'm with you. Anyway, wax poetic long enough on that. I got to find out where this sniper round's going. Delvin. I am just as shocked as you are to say that this sniper bullet is going to Walter Matthau and Garber. I don't have a choice here. Like the most compelling character of the two as the lead, the one that was most compelling and carried the movie further was Walter Matthau. He gets it. It's a good day for Walt uh, here on Action Film Face Off. You just joined the pantheon of Keanu Reeves. You got Reeves, you got Schwarzenegger, you got Matthau. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Anyway, that's it for me. I mean, Stallone would be like, Walter knew what he was worth, so he went and got what he was worth. <laughs> <laughs> he was willing to go out there and take the hits. <laughs> All right. Well, let me kick it into round three. Round three is the villain. How memorable is your villain? How cool is your villain? Well, let's find out. Jason, you get to start this round. Passenger 57, Bruce Payne as Charles Rain. Bruce Payne as Charles Rain, I thought was very good as the protagonist. Above average, I will say, without tipping my score any further. We don't have a lot of backstory, but we do know he's a bad man. He's done bad things. And even though he protesteth that he is not insane, I believeth he is insane. His eyes, they're like, a serpent. They no emotion in those eyes at all. He doesn't get angry. He doesn't get passionate. He's just cold in everything he's doing. When he sexually harasses that stewardess, it's cold. When he takes over the plane, it's cold. But there's still little elements of humor in there, like that scene where he says, uh, "You don't have to wear your safety belts if you don't want." <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> that was funny. I appreciated that at thirty thousand feet on the way from Chicago. But yeah, overall, I thought cold is just the word that I would use to describe him. And just so unlikable. Just having the two characters, the protagonist and the antagonist, so different is always very interesting and makes for an interesting confrontation. And it definitely did so in this film. Delvin, what do you think? I'm not as optimistic as you are about Rain. Just something about him, again, 90s, right? Just a little bit too over the top. They're just like, he's a stone cold killer. And his dad treated him mean. So he stabbed him in the eyeballs with some chopsticks. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, I got it. He's a bad guy. He went to boarding school. Someone treated him bad. Okay. There's something about it. Like now that said, I mean, he pulled out some of those bad guy beats pretty good probably the most cold-blooded thing that he did. And and to me, 
it's one of the bad guy things that you do to set the bad guy tempo is he had like a dude who he cared nothing about. It's like, yeah, what's your name, man? Oh, my name is so-and-so. It's like, how many kids you got? I got one. And he was like telling Wesley Snipes, like, well, up until then, this is on you. Blam. Like, dang, man. You, you don't have to. You could, you could have shot him in a knee. Like, that dude, he did nothing to him. He did nothing to that dude. And he just offed him. And that kind of at least set the tempo. So I do like that. And I do like the fact that he had that calculating and cunning behavior as well to where it always seemed like he had a plan. Now, would anyone ever put someone as dangerous as him on a flight and let him get (laughs) served steak and champagne? Uh, Probably not. We can ignore that part of it and just say that the dude had no problem eliminating anyone that got in his way And that shows how much of a bad guy that he was. So they definitely did get the point across. All right. Yeah. Charles Rain, man. Like he got a bump up point for me. I'm not, I'll give you a little hint real quick. He got a bump up point for me when he busted through that window from like the third floor, like the Kool Aid man at the very beginning of the movie. That was great. (laughs) I was kind of wondering how he didn't break every leg that he had. I was like, he just got up like, whoa. Charles Rain is in a lot of pain. (laughs) (laughs) I was watching it with Jordan. I said the same thing. I was like, that dude would have two broken legs right there. Anyways, we got to go back to 1974 and talk about the villain that is Robert Shaw. And he's he's Robert Shaw. Jason, elaborate. It's pretty much all you got to say. He's Robert Shaw, one of the greatest actors of all times, one of the greatest Bond villains of all times. Jaws. He was in that. He was in that. He got eaten by the shark. How the shark ate me. (laughs) Battle of Britain. This guy was everywhere, man. He's he's a terrific actor. Does just a great job in the taking of Pelham One Two Three. I know Delvin said earlier that we didn't get a lot of backstory. I read somewhere that there was a novel that this is based off of. So I'm kind of interested to read that now to see if I can figure out more of his history, you definitely get a sense he was kind of a mercenary, you know, and I think he was just looking for some action and some easy money. He was a cold calculating man, not a cruel man necessarily, but he did what he said he was going to do. And that made him very efficient at his job. The team that he put together that surrounded him was also very interesting. We had a little bit of backstory on the, the driver of the train, I think was Mr. Green and Mr. Gray was played by Hector Eliz. I can never say his name, Elizondo, but he did a really good job. He, on the other hand, was very hot headed, you know, so there was a lot of tension there between Gray there, but this is the way he interacted with the passengers on the train, kind of similar to Walter Matthau. We were talking about seldom raised his voice, just went about his job in a cold calculating methodical manner and almost got away with it if it hadn't been for that meddling kid walter matthew (laughs) (laughs) delvin oh i liked him i like mr gray a lot he's about his business we like bad guys that can handle their business i think one of the lines the best lines that he said in the movie was because they were like man maybe we didn't give him enough time he's like you know how the city works if you give him an hour 
it'll take an hour. If you give them two hours, it'll take them two. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's so cold. I'm, just, a, st- I'm a state worker and he's absolutely right. <laughs> it's so true. And I'm like, he was so unflinching, but then even had the sense to go to kind of one of his sensible teammates. I was like, am I being too hard here? It was like, yeah, what, what's another five, 10 minutes? He's like, okay, I'm going to give you a little bit more time. And just the whole time was like, had a schedule, was about his business, had an idea of how to escape, had a, you know, the escape plan. So, hey, I love a bad guy that had, I mean, I love a good guy with an agenda, but I love a bad guy that has an agenda too. And I think this was a bad guy with an agenda and he spoke more with his actions. It was like he had full intention and, and stated this, said, I have no quarrel, no qualms with killing someone if I have to. I don't want to do it, but if you're going to act a certain way, you're not going to do what I say, then I'm going to execute a hostage. And that's what he did. And you know, I'm not giving him, you know, quote unquote, kudos for that. But as a bad guy, I am giving him kudos for that. Man about his business. And man, even went out like a G. You know, he asked about that, you know, like, is there a death penalty here? It's like, pity. And stepped on the third rail, like, oh, my God, dude. (laughs) So I'm tilting my hand again here. The bad guy was very compelling. Every time he was on the screen, the phone was down. Actually, the phone was never up at any point of watching Pelham 1-2. Fantastic movie. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I agree with you guys on all counts. So let's go ahead and score them. Going back to Passenger 57 from 1992, Jason, Bruce Payne as Charles Rain taking over the plane. What you got, my main man? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was very good. I'm going to give him a seven as well. I think he and Wesley uh, were about par for each other as far as performances go. So I thought he was solid. So seven for me. Match game number four. I also gave him a seven. He was at a six. And then I remembered him busting through that window like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> so he's, he gets a seven. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. 1974. Taking a poem. One, two, three. Robert Shaw. We all seem to like him. Jason, you like him to the tune of? In eight. He was almost as good as Walter Matthau. Almost as good as Walter Matthau in this movie. So eight for me. Match game number five. People do not drive home after this episode. I also have it as an eight, which means Delvin gets to do his sniper bullet. I think we know where it's going to go, but let's give him the moment. Yeah. Pelham, one, two, three. One more time, my friends. I, <laughs> I'm i actually more surprised than y'all, but this is how I feel. I definitely think that the hero and villain of Pelham, one, two, three, were more compelling than the hero and villain of Passenger 57. All right. Scores are in. Round is done. All right. Well, Delvin so far has given his whole magazine to taking a Pelham one, two, three. Will it continue? We're entering the spectacle round. So (laughs) Pelham, it was a good ride (laughs) up to this point. But anyway, hey, anything can happen. So let's play it out. Nobody's bitch. We're going to talk spectacle. We're going to talk about the action sequences, the stunts. We're going to talk about the music, the soundtrack the themes, the lighting, the setting, the atmosphere, all the good stuff, all the things that make good movies great. You know, I'm going to mix it up and start with Jared this time and see what you thought about the spectacle for Passenger 57. Yeah, it's a very good spectacle. I think its strong suits are Wesley's martial arts abilities, which I kind of wish they could have showcased a little more, but it still was good. You had that. You had a little bit of car chase action. 
Uh, you had the chase through the carnival. You had the combat on the plane. That kind of gives you all your various spectacle. The music was all right, just fine. Everything was good. It was all 90s good. There was nothing really that stood out to me as super great spectacle, aside from dude busting through the window like Kool-Aid Man and Wesley's martial arts abilities. But still, it was it was fine. I think what the movie did best as far as a little, I guess it's spectacle, kind of a cheat. It didn't overstay its welcome. I want to say the movie is like right at 90 minutes or something like that. Like it, the pacing is excellent. If they tried to drag it out and give us the backstory, oh, my daddy didn't love me and all that stuff, it might have got a little long. But I think the pacing, the martial arts, and the pacing are <laughs> probably the strongest spectacle elements for me. Yeah, I, I will add the one thing that stood out to me, because Jared, you're normally the person that pays most attention to the music. Mm-hmm. The soundtracks, the score, etc. To me, the music was really standing out as well. And I thought, I haven't heard a soundtrack with this much saxophone in a long time. <laughs> they need to bring saxy back. Man. Saxy, you know? That's very nice. I will say that uh, since you did bring that up, I really liked the very first sort of intro theme for the opening credits. Had a cool little rhythm to it and mm-hmm. kind of got you into the movie. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up especially that intro theme I thought was pretty good. All right. Well, we heard from Jared Delvin. What are your thoughts? Passenger 57. Where were they flying from? I know they're going to LA. Do you remember where they were flying from? Was it, was it Miami or was it like New York area? All of a sudden, I can't believe it. I want to say it was Miami. Yeah. But okay. I don't know why. Cause, Cause Lord knows like they were over a lot of water for whatever reason. I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> I'm not quite sure why there's so much over the water scenes going on, but you had the venue of the plane. Of course, I you had to take a few liberties, I'm sure, about, you know, it had to be a big plane, right? Because if not, Wesley Snipes would not had any room to execute the many kicks that he executed <laughs> on the plane. Then, you know, you had the city of BFE, Louisiana. The two cities back and forth, I mean, they did an okay job, you know, showing, you know, the quote unquote glamour of that city. So I don't think the spectacle was bad. I definitely like the creativeness that they used in the plane and that the plane had to be big enough to have an elevator to go down to continue some of the other action scenes in. And I think they made good use of the carnival as well. Very good. Very good. Jared, switch it over to taking a Pelham 123. Let's talk about the spectacle there. All right, it's the spectacle of taking a Pelham 123. Again, this movie just keeps on surprising us because it's not a big action movie. It's more of a thriller movie, but it's got a lot of spectacle. You know, it's got a lot of New York City. It's got a lot of energy. It's got a lot of claustrophobia when it needs it. It has a lot of humor. I didn't expect to laugh as much as I did, but it, I mean, it's Walter Matthau. So, of course, there's going to be some jokes. There's some great bits. Oh, my gosh. At the end, when the bag lady actually wakes up after everything that was hilarious. <laughs> I almost peed myself laughing so hard. This lady slept through everything <laughs> that went on that, that train. So, like, the humor was there, but overall, Jason, that score to that movie is banging. That score was so good. I need to find a copy of the score to film one, two, three, because the music was amazing. So, yeah, big on the music, big on the setting. Big on the vibes. It, it might win another round from me. Let's just find out. Yeah, I got to say, I'm glad you brought up the score because I think it was ranked like in the top 10 movie scores of all time. It's, I could see why. It's, it's really up cool there. music. It is really good. And again, 
that's not something that usually I pick up on, but I did in this film. You're absolutely correct. And I thought one of my favorite parts was when he realizes that that deputy chief was black <laughs> and he gets, he goes, Oh, Oh, I thought you were uh, shorter. <laughs> shorter. <laughs> that was funny. And then he said, when that undercover cop, that dude got shot, did he go, uh, it'll be all right, miss? <laughs> At the end, because he had the long hair. I, thought it was I long think he hair. did. Yeah, it was, uh, it was not exactly the most PC. He, remember, he was, still, he was making fun of those Japanese dudes, only to find out that they did speak English. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot not PC. If you, if you really want not PC... Look at the credits. I'm oh, gonna say that. Yes, <laughs> I know where you're how going. they describe we... some of the characters. I was like, oh, I didn't. Look, I didn't read the... <laughs> yeah, just for uh, s's and giggles. Go check it out. Very yeah, 1974s New York. Nobody gives an f type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we had our thoughts from Jared Delvin. What do you think? Very much like good old Amazing Spider-Man. One of the characters in the book is New York City. They not only showed you the underground of New York City with the subway system, but they showed you the overground for, you know, just making up a word and how the cops had to traverse the streets to get from point A to point B. So it showed some grittiness and griminess of New York City to include the characters, because I think that if you were a character in Pelham 123, you had to have at least 18 swear words. I mean, I'm a person who swears a decent deal. And even I was like, dang, these people are swearing <laughs> a whole lot. I was blushing at one point like, huh, oh, my goodness, they're just cussing up a blue streak. But that's New York City. And I mean, anything that I know of New York City, that's how these people are. And by these people, I mean the New Yorkians, New Yorkites, Gothamites, whatever you call folks from New York City, that's who they are. That part of it was displayed throughout, too. So it was a really good spectacle. And, oh, man, I am questioning whether or not I'm going to be going four for four now. I might be swayed by what you guys have to offer on it when you give your scores. Well, that's our cue, Jared. We're going to have to score Passenger 57, the spectacle. You gave it a solid seven. 1992, sweet spot, action film, does everything right, doesn't do anything wrong, doesn't take a lot of chances. Solid seven. Well, another match game. I gave it a seven as well. Ooh, a lot of match games tonight. Mm-hmm. Boy, people are staggering home tonight. What about taking a Pelham one, two, three? What did you give it? Shockingly, it defeats Passenger 57 in the spectacle category. I gave it an eight. Oh, wow. And again, it's not a huge action piece, but it is riveting. And that soundtrack carried a lot of weight with me, man. And like Delvin said, New York City. The film oozes New York City. It's riveting. It's got a great soundtrack. I gave it an eight because like Delvin said before, didn't put the phone down. We've talked about that before in action film face-off. Spectacle Round is kind of where that emerges. Do you lose a little interest? Does your mind wander? Nope. Solid eight. I gave it a six. I think that as far as action is concerned, it's one of those, yeah, you could see that on a made-for-TV movie, even a made-for-TV movie back in 1974. What puts it up a little bit more for me, as we talked about, was the score. Delvin, you brought up some really good points about the use of the city and the settings. Maybe I gave it a little low, but at the end of the day, I rated it a six. And that just leaves the sniper. Delvin. I think I'm going four for four, gents. And this surprises me being a Southern man from Birmingham, Alabama. But 
if I'm going to be more impressed with somebody, I've, I've been on a big plane before and I have been to small cities in Louisiana and I've been to New York City. <laughs> I was more impressed by New York City and to see how it was portrayed in a 1970s movie and how they used the city to encapsulate what went on in this train heist. And it involved the entirety of the city and everyone from the mayor down to beat cops. It was just very, very well done. So it gets my sniper bullet. All right. Well, before I pass it over to Jared, I think we just got to pause here for a moment and look at what's happening because math is hard. <laughs> we do it for you here at Action <laughs> I think we're seeing an upset where action icon Walter Matthau <laughs> is taking it to Wesley Snipes. I always bet on Meshuggah. <laughs> Meshuggah? Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say always bet on Matt. <laughs> You know what? I have to laugh I like because it. like, if you talk about Passenger 57 to anybody who's seen it, and you say, give me a line from that movie. The one everyone remembers is camera zooms in. You ever play roulette? Mr. Rain? Always oh, bet on black. And it sounds so cool. But like, if it was said in real life, wouldn't the guy in the other film be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, Dude, uh, what? Le- legit. Like, I heard the line. I was just like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Serious. And I was surprised because I remember hearing it as a 15-year-old, it was like, that was cool. I know, right? Like, like Everybody remembers but, it. But fast forward 30 years later, I was just like, that was contrived. <laughs> it, was, it was so <laughs> contrived. Like, again, if I was, you know, Charles Ray, I'd be like, the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I think his best line is when that cop asked him, what would you do if you were me? And he said, kill myself. Kill myself. myself. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> All right, well, while we're on this roll, I still get a kick out of, uh, have you seen my wife's gun? <laughs> Maybe that fell out of his waistband his way back up. Yes, yes, yes. That was good stuff. Anyways, let's get into round five. Now, this really pisses me off to no end. Round five is best action scene. We pretend it's my round. It is really Jason's. Jason will break down the action scenes from each movie. We'll each pick our favorites. We'll double back. We'll score them. It'll all make sense in a minute. Jason, play out the action scenes from Passenger 57 for us, please. And the voice of Pat will rate each of your jokes on a scale of 1 to 10. So here we go. <laughs> all right. Pat's been waiting so patient. Here we go. All right. I got to. I know you like this one here. Here's the paper. All right. Passenger 57. Lots of little action sequences in there, but basically I boil it down to three key events. Number one event is when Cutter escapes from the plane. This includes the fight with the guy outside the bathroom, the guy in the cargo hold, and getting tossed from the plane. Or, these guys are about to join the Mild Die Club. Pat, one to ten? It's a four! Four? Turn it down, Pat. <laughs> All right, apparently I got to up my game here. The second one is Cutter at the fair fighting Rain and the other, and all those other guys. Or, and I just call this one, did anyone else notice that even though there are several murders and bodies are falling off the Ferris wheel, the fair just keeps going? (laughs) (laughs) He just kept going. One to ten. It's a four. Oh, God. (laughs) Last time we let him come in here. All right. So then the third one is Cutter gets back on the plane and he fights the French guy, Forger, and Rain. I called that one because 
I got to explain it to Pat because he didn't watch the movie. He kicks a lot of guys in the nuts and he hits somebody in the nuts with a golf club. And I called this one, I'm going to take this golf club and work on your putts. Pat, what it did. What was that joke before you changed it? (laughs) (laughs) That was the joke. And I saw you laugh. I saw you laugh and I saw Jared laugh. I saw it with my eyes. So I better get at least a six. I'd give that a seven. All right. All right. All right, with the voice of Pat mysteriously fading in and out on this episode, let's pick our favorite action scenes from the way Jason laid them out. Basically, you like first plane action, carnival action, last plane action. Delvin, what do you think? Which one of those is your favorite part of the movie? Probably last plane action. Last plane action was definitely more desperate. And while I gave Wesley Snipes a little bit of crap for sort of playing down to someone who he was physically inferior to it did make for compelling action and it showed that he was desperate enough to pull out every stop that he needed to to win and he whittled all the bad guys down to one and it showed a little bit of ingenuity in doing so he took out rain very brutally and he took out forget rather brutally as well because he absolutely had to so i'll go with that third scene i think it was the best can't help but notice the only bad guy left alive was the hot one. Just saying. <laughs> and, even at the, and even at the end, driving off, she's like preening at the camera like, ooh. <laughs> like, okay, Hurley, we got you. We know, we know you're beautiful. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> you ain't got to judge it up at the end. We she's definitely going to win the beauty contest in prison. That's for sure. <laughs> Jason, best action scene. I agree with Delvin. I think he pretty much summed up my thoughts. They all kind of were pretty cookie cutter, but that third one did have that little element of desperation to it, which made it a little more compelling. So that's when I chose. Yeah, we're three for three. I say this in all episodes, but it stands the reason here too. I think I'd score them all the same. That one just had a little bit more, you know, impactful flavor to it. So I agree with you on that. Let's move over to the taking of Pelham one, two, three. We're going to get the voice of Pat back on to score these jokes pretty sure you have one action scene or well we'll find out <laughs> go ahead no i actually thought about it and i had three that i think we could generously call action scenes all right the first one i thought the one that grabbed me was the race to get the money to the hijackers where the police car gets flipped and everything i thought that was pretty intense and a, a good bit of stunt driving there so i counted that i called that one go on take the money and run I would give that a five. Pretty decent. Generous, generous. Okay. I did look over to my family as we watched the movie, and I was like, why didn't they run that money? Because remember they said it's not as big as you thought it would be. I was like, why didn't they run that on motorcycles to begin with? Motorcycles would have been a lot more fast and nimble. New York City, somebody would grab that off <laughs> the back of that motorcycle. <laughs> Maybe so. Be gone with it. I derailed us. Oh, it was kind of a train pun. Uh, anyway, let's get your next one. Pat, what would you give that train pun? <laughs> It's a four. All right. That's fair. I don't care what you give him. Give me a four. The second one was the who fired that shot scene where I think is Mr. Brown catches around in there and there's kind of a little bit of a gunfight. I called this one. This train is still less dangerous than the L in Chicago right now. (laughs) Right now, I would take Pelham one, two, three before I take the L in Chicago. Pat. It's a four. (laughs) Four? (laughs) I thought I'd get some Wisconsin love for... New York, I would say, yes. But I'm going to derail this again. Maybe I had zoned out. Did they ever figure out who shot that shot? 
No. No. Gosh, I, that bothered the crap out of me. <laughs> me too. I was because Miranda was watching this with me. And I was like, babe, did I miss something? Who fired the shot? She was like, oh, it just came from over the cop's shoulders. Like, they didn't show who did it. I was like, what the heck? So, yeah, not a fan of that. It definitely kicked off some action, though. And then the final scene was the chase slash shootout at the end. Or I called this one. He just caught the bullet train. Got shot. I don't see a lot of laughter going on from that, though. It's a four. Ah! <laughs> all right. Well, that's what I got. They can't all be Tough room, Jason. Tough room, my friend. Is. I did get a seven in there, though. You've had better bits. <laughs> all right. With the voice of Pat Wade in on those. It should be a regular segment, Pat. You should pop in just to in on Jason's jokes. Just to bust my balls on the, on the jokes. What was your favorite action scene? Not a lot of action, but what was your favorite action scene from taking a pill of one, two, three, Delvin, and why was it the third one that Jason mentioned? <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm going to go with the second one. It was chaotic. And what it kind of spoke to was how tense the situation was, where you had the bad guys that are like, okay, I will do this. I will kill a hostage. And the good guys were like, I mean, while they sort of believed them, they were they were throwing that New York trash out of you belong in a mental hospital. You're crazy and stuff like that. And then all it took was that errant shot from who knows where. And sure enough, the bad guys proved exactly what they were about because he sent that conductor and told them, go, go out on that walk for me. And he just blew them away like, oh. Mm. Poor young kid. Mm. Yeah, it was rough. It was a traumatic and dramatic scene. Why he didn't send those two kids, I will never know. All right, Jason, what was your favorite action scene? You know, I'm going to go with the money run. I thought that that one was really intense. I not only had the phone down, I was leaning forward like, are they going to make it? I like the dialogue with the police officers who are like, I've always wanted to do this. Like, they've never been able to just gun it through the streets of New York City and just watching them. And when they flip the car and you think it's all over and then they got to pass it to the guy on the motorcycle, it's just gripping. I thought it was a really well executed scene. So take the money and run for me. That's fair. And I guess it speaks to the variety of what the movie gave us, even though it was light on action. I'm going to pick the last one. I mean, it's the only one that was like truly a bad guys versus good guys shootout. We talked about how baller it was that Robert Shaw called his own shot there at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, did not want to spend life in prison. If he was going to get caught, he'd rather just be dead. And so uh, it was a brief shootout. But again, much like everything else in the movie, it was intense and riveting. So I'm going to pick that one. And now we're going to score them. So, Jason, let's go back to Passenger 57. We all liked the basically third act combat. And what did you like it to the tune of? Well, you said it. It was as good as the other two. Not really anything that stood out particularly. So I gave it a seven. Same as the overall spectacle. I think that's our seventh match game of the episode because I haven't had a seven as well. It's like Passenger 57 is like a seven movie. Like It's a solid seven. It's, it's like it's all the way through. It basically is the A View to a Kill of Wesley Snipes films. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to Taking a Pill of 123, 1974. Jason, you liked The Money Run to the tune of? I liked it to a tune of the six, I think, for all the reasons that I stated. And again, the score was really good. I'm going to be the big bummer. I would have scored pretty much all the same. I don't think there was a lot of action. It didn't tickle my action fancy. 
So I didn't even quite make good action movie for made for TV. I gave it a four. I just was like, eh, it's a four, as some would say. Mm-hmm. I get why you picked it, though, Jason. There is a riveting factor to it. But just I was looking at it purely through the action lens and thinking about all the other movies we had. And I was just like, eh. At the end of the day, folks, if you're listening to this, taking a Pelham 123, if you've listened to all this, it's really good. It's just not heavy on action. No, so it's, it's not. A lot like Bullet Train that we talked about when Delvin was on last time. Not a ton of action, but riveting. So anyways, let's get Delvin's final thought on which movie is a better action film. Real quick, since you brought up Bullet Train, there are a couple of scenes, though, that were action-oriented. Like, they were doing the things across the trains that were going at the same time. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah, that was intense. Lest we forget this is action film face-off, I I do have to go with the more action-oriented scene here. My sniper bullet is going to go to Passenger 57 here. It just makes sense. All right. I think that's the end of all our official official rounds, but Jason has one more for us. It's time to die. Well, of course, our final round is the deduction round, where we take a point off for anything ridiculous. We can take up to 10 points. For anything that's ridiculous or took you out of the movie. Jared, can't take anything off of Passenger 57. The most ridiculous thing in it is dude busting through the third floor window like Kool-Aid Man that actually helped the movie, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure oh, there's yeah. plenty. Uh, we joked about how like no plane on the planet has that much room to fight. But you know what? I'm going to let all that go and just let it be Passenger 57. And there wasn't anything that really took me out of it. I agree 100%. I think all the flaws I've captured in my scoring. So, Delvin, I know you don't don't really have a, a bullet to give here, but any final thoughts on Passenger 57? Agree, disagree? Are we being too harsh or not harsh enough? I don't think you're being too harsh on it. I mean, it's not like we are doing something like cribbing off of IMDb.com, but looking at IMDb, this was kind of an average movie, if not slightly below average as far as the overall ratings go. So I think that you're being more than fair on it. There are some action movies that you will see where they take liberties on what the human body can do. Passenger 57 is no different. And I didn't mind them taking any liberties as well on the size of the plane in order for you to get some action in, too. So I think you guys are more than fair. All right. Thanks, Delvin. Let's move over to taking a Pelham 123. Jared, are you going to take any points away? I'm going to deduct one for Robert Shaw's performance. I just want to see how dumb that sounded out loud. No, I'm not taking any points. <laughs> it was fantastic. I'm looking ahead at some scores here. There might be a shocking ending to this episode. <laughs> oh, I told you, I felt it. I felt it, Kevin. Then I said, I think, I think we may be seeing an upset here. All right. Well, I'm with you. I'm not taking away any points either. I will say if I was Mr. Green, who gave himself away with the sneeze there, those cops never would have even gotten into that apartment because I had been so hopped up on NyQuil, passed out on that on that bed. Yeah, they wouldn't even got past the threshold. But no points deducted. Delvin, same question. Any final thoughts here on Pelham 123 before we score it? Yeah, Miranda saw that ending coming, and she was like, he's about to sneeze. <laughs> and sure enough, he did. And then Walter Matthau comes like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and got him at the end. Oh, which was a fitting enough ending because that's how most caper movies end. Either the bad guys completely get away with it, like, say, in Ocean's Eleven, or the bad guys all get completely caught, like both Passenger 57 and Pelham 123. So, nah, 
you guys are good on Pelham 123. It was really a good movie. And it was one of those where, I mean, y'all know me at this point. And I'm like, am I about to reach for my phone? And then probably about like 15, 20 minutes, but actually right around the time where the hijack started, it was like, good grief. <laughs> this is so bold and sudden. Oh, oh my. <laughs> and, and so it, it captured my attention from then and it did not let it go till the end. So they did a, just a fantastic movie. Anyone listening to this, please go watch it. Really worth watching. That's pretty much it, Jared. Well, there you have it. That is the end of all official rounds. All right, folks, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home. We do that for you here at Action Film Faceoff. Uh, real quick, we have to remind everybody where the sniper bullets went. Delvin gave four sniper bullets to taking a Pelham 123 and one bullet to Passenger 57. And for those of you keeping up with match game, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven match games in this episode. Do not drive home. Okay, looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Faceoff with a score of 76 to 71. Take a bow, Walter Matthau. It is the taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3. I, I can't believe it. I, <laughs> oh my god uh, how, how i want to we... see walter matthau's face on our action film face-off backdrop from now on <laughs> <laughs> how a movie with almost no action what but it's you know you gotta look at the categories is really helped by compelling hero compelling villain awesome score good story that really gave it a lead that that passenger 57 could i mean they're both good movies but they're both different right so anyway shocking shocking yes I felt it as I was scoring. I was like, man, I've got to say, you know, breaking it down by the categories we have, everything outside of spectacle, I got to give to taking a Pelham one, two, three. And spectacle isn't that far off. Yeah, it was action. I guess action scene, it did, is another category where it didn't do as well, but. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I meant. You know, spectacle, the last two, basically. The other hero and villain, it was like, (laughs) oh, Oh, this game is up for grabs. Uh, uh, all right wow congratulations to taking pelham one two three this was a shocker shocker folks i think this was a big upset but well deserved by taking a pelham one two three and walter matthews and robert shaw's strong performances but that was then this is now and we're going to head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode my brother jared will be pulling a film from Choose your destiny. Oh, we're in the COVID area 2020. And I will bring a film from... Choose your destiny. Nineteen seventy-eight. I'm stuck in the 70s, man. <laughs> keep those bell bottoms on. Yeah, I'll keep those bell bottoms on. Get that big old color back out. We'll be rocking it. What will those films be? Well, we'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. And we know you do, Dave. Or you can tune in next episode and find out. Until then, I'm Jason Weaselskull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weaselskull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. 
at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1-9-7-7. And be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on Apple Podcasts, Google Plays, all your finer podcatchers. Or you can check us out at www.longboxcrusade.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. It's all Longbox Crusade. And if you want to call, leave us a voicemail. That's 707-532-5269. We will probably play it on the show. 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. That is like your one opportunity. Oh, well, I didn't want to ruin it. (laughs) Pick up the phone. There you go. Pop in Pat from the background. I would just like to say I'm the number one podcast popping for Action Film Face Off. <laughs> you are the number one podcast popping. All right. With that, folks, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next time, keep your head down and, and your, your knuckles, knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. It's your line, Jason. Taking a nice uh, pull of this W root beer with that frosty mug taste. <laughs> See if we get a sponsorship. Hey, man. Can't win if you don't play. <laughs> Action Film Face Off. Brought to you by the cool frosty flavor of A&W root beer. <laughs> Let's talk about taking a Pelham 123, though. Devin, what did you think of Walter Matthau's character? Uh, his name escapes me again. <laughs> it was... Uh, uh, Starts oh. with a G. Garber? It was Garber. I think you're right. I think it was Garber. Holy shit. I remembered something. A detail that y'all did from a movie? I'm about to... <laughs> I'm looking I was up. surprised you remembered there was a train in it. I'm looking it up. I don't want Delvin to have this moment. <laughs> it's Garber. Uh, but one, two, three. Oh, no, it isn't. I don't have any proof to back that up. I just want to say it's Garber. He's right. <laughs> I hate, I hate my life. Oh! <laughs> I think I got that right. Okay, it's Bruce Payne as Charles Rain. <laughs> this is hard. This Hang is on. Like, I've got to verify that before I... <laughs> is it Keith David or David Keith? I never... <laughs> I know. Damn it that there's two actors that the names are like that. Just the, the rain and pain falls mainly on the plane. <laughs> 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 yes, it is Bruce Payne as Charles Rain taking over the plane. All right. This is He's insane. insane. <laughs> He's <laughs> not insane. <laughs> I'm sorry, no All mind. right. Definitely indeed. Oh, look who it is. <laughs> Hi, Pat. Hey, guys. It's Poppin' Pat. <laughs> How you Hi, doing? Pat. You're home alone, aren't you? <laughs> no. But things are, people are in bed already, going to bed. So I got some time, you know. I just figured I'd stop by the AFO studio, say hello to you guys. Hey, Pat. How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> Do you like Passenger 57 or the Taking a Pelham 123? I didn't watch him. All right. Thanks for being here, Pat. All right. See you guys All later. Right. <laughs> Pop in, Pat. What? What? I always like doing that. Do that every time. <laughs>
<laughs> I do that every time at the end of the show. <laughs> I needed Andrew Knuckles up from you, Delvin. Sorry, I, I, I the Fei Long got into it. I, I know the sound. I love the fact, fact that you know that it's that it's Fei Long. I like that you know that. Yeah, yes, yeah, from like Super Street Fighter thirteen point eight. <laughs> <laughs>